Welcome to Real Estate and Coffee. My name is Joel Arndt. Today is Monday, November 4th, 2019. Here's some Canadian real estate news while you enjoy your morning coffee. This morning's article comes from HuffingtonPost.ca. It's a breakdown of the numbers and between what boomers the situation that boomers were facing when they were first-time home buyers versus what millennials are facing as first-time home buyers. So the headline literally reads, first-time home buyers, what boomers got versus what millennials are getting. The homeowner life in Canada is changing. We see it everywhere. The once endless expansion of suburban neighborhoods has slowed and high-rise cranes now dot the skyline often even far from city centers. But how much have things really changed? Is the dream of a detached home in the suburbs with a backyard and a barbecue barbecue pit still attainable? Or is it irrelevant in an age when so many home buyers are choosing an urban lifestyle instead? Well, it's probably a good thing young home buyers are shifting to what, to that lifestyle because they couldn't afford a house in the suburbs anyway. HuffPost Canada built profiles of the typical first-time homebuyer neighborhood in three Canadian metro areas using data on housing construction, first-time homebuyer incomes, ages 25 to 34, and household uh, house prices, one profile for 1977 and another for 2017, the most recent year for which all of the necessary data was available. What we found is that in the priciest cities, Toronto and Vancouver, millennial first-time homebuyers today can afford roughly a third as much space as their boomer parents could when they were buying their first homes in late 1970s. But while have uh, while prices have soared, falling interest rates have kept monthly mortgage payments in check. Adjusted for inflation, There's little difference in buyers' monthly payments in 2017 and 1977. Between those years, the minimum down payment for an insured mortgage came down to 5% from 10%, also taking some pressure off first-time homebuyers. But in mid-sized Canadian cities, as the Halifax example shows, affordability hasn't deteriorated to nearly the same extent. In fact, for average earning first-time buyers, The dream of one's own front door appears to be alive and well. Here are the sorts of neighborhoods first-time homebuyers could afford, then and now, in Toronto, Vancouver, and Halifax. Boomer Toronto, a 2,070-square-foot house in the suburbs. In the the 1970s were smack dab in the middle of the great North American suburban migration, and in 1977, an average earning household in the 25 to 34 age range could afford a house of up to $340,000 in 2017 dollars. Since the average selling price for residential properties at, the, at that time was 247000 that meant first-time homebuyers could afford a typical suburban house, which in the 1970s in the Toronto area averaged around 2,070 square feet in size.
Here's the numbers breakdown. Average first time buyer household income, 73,500. Maximum purchase price, $340,000, 640,600. Uh, $340, Average selling price, $247,000. Maximum monthly payment, $2,500. Maximum mortgage, so price minus down payment, $318,000, 4.3 times household income. All figures are in 2017 dollars. Millennial Toronto, what can they afford? A 647 square foot condo in a high density neighborhood. Between 1977 and 2017, the average income in the first time uh, in first time home buyer households in the Toronto area rose by 12% while inflation adjusted house prices more than tripled to 794,000 from 247,000 with a maximum purchase price of $505,000 about $15,000 short of the average price of a condo. First-time buyers are limited to smaller condos in the rapidly growing high-density clusters around the greater Toronto area, such as Toronto's Liberty Village or the central square one area of Mississauga, Ontario. The average size of a new condo in Toronto over the past decade has been 647 square feet. Here are the numbers. Average first-time buyer household income, 82500 Maximum purchase price, $505,000. Average selling price, $794,000. Maximum monthly payment, $2290, so $2290. Uh, $2 Maximum mortgage, $499,000, six times household income. Again, all figures are in $2017. And you can just assume that uh, continuing on through this article. So just to point out, one thing that kind of caught me in the beginning, you may have already realize this, but something that I was struggling with when I first read through this article was um, the average selling price. So the maximum purchase price of a millennial in Toronto is $505,000. The average selling price is $794,000. So I didn't equate how that, I didn't equate that to how they could afford a 647 square foot condo, but that seven. 94 is not for a condo. That's just the average house price uh, in, in Toronto, in the GTA in 2017, across the board, not just for condos. So something to keep in mind as I rattle off these numbers. Okay, Boomer, Vancouver, a perfectly average detached house. 
An average earning first-time buyer household could afford an average priced property in 1977, which was $306,000 in 2017 dollars. Like everywhere else on the continent, Vancouver was suburbanizing at that time, and an average house in one of the new suburban division subdivisions had 2,180 square feet of living space. Here are the numbers. Average first-time buyer household income, $79,600. Maximum purchase price, 600 no, <laughs> maximum purchase price for this boomer, $369,000. Average selling price for a house in the Vancouver area in 1977, $306,000. The boomer's maximum monthly payment, $2,667, their maximum mortgage would be $342,000, 4.3 times household income. Interesting note, the same as the Toronto Boomer. Now, Millennial Vancouver, what can they afford? Still the suburban lifestyle, only smaller. The average income for households in the first-time buyer range fell by 6% in Vancouver from 1977 to 2017, while the average house price more than tripled to 998000 Interesting note, the average income in Vancouver between boomers and millennials fell. By 6%, whereas in Toronto it rose by 12%. Interesting note. By 2017, an average first time buyer household could afford a maximum house price of $500,000 or less than a third of the price of a detached house. Even a majority of condos would be out of range, and only about 8% of listings on the market today would fall within range. Most of those are smallish condos farther out from the center in communities like Metro Town of Burnaby, BC, which is pictured above. Well, yeah, if you want to check out the picture, I'll link the article. So it's still the suburban lifestyle, only smaller and at a higher altitude. A typical condo built in Vancouver in recent years is just under 800 square feet. Here's the numbers. Average first-time buyer household income for a millennial is $75,000 in 2017. Maximum purchase price, $500,000. Average selling price, $998,000. Maximum monthly payment, $2,262,000. $2, Maximum monthly payment, $2,262, flat, not $62,000. Anyway, maximum mortgage, $494,000, 6 6.6 times household income. All right, the boomer in Halifax, a better than average house, wherever you want. For Halifax, we used 1980 numbers because not all data was available for 1977. Haligonians 
I had no idea that's what they called themselves. Is that legit? Man. Haligonians had lower incomes than Torontonians and Vancouverites back then. But the city's relatively low house prices meant that if you earned the average for a first-time buyer household, you could afford nearly twice the average house price. At the very least, you could buy something considerably larger than the 1,560 square foot home that was typical for the area at that time. Here are the numbers. Average first time buyer household income, $62,000. Maximum purchase price, $288,000. Average selling price, $159,900. Maximum monthly payment, $2,100. Maximum mortgage, $267,000. And again, 4.3 times household income. Millennial Halifax, nearly the same deal as Boomers. Unlike Toronto and Vancouver, house prices in Halifax didn't triple over the past 40 years. They only doubled. <laughs> as a result, first-time homebuyer households can still afford their own front door and a backyard, and with homes increasing in size to an average of 2,340 square feet. Nova Scotia millennials might actually have the opportunity to move into homes larger than their parents, truly living the boomer dream. Average first-time buyer household income, $58,000. Interesting. That dropped, too, by $4,000 a year. Maximum purchase price, $430,000. Average selling price, $297,000. Maximum monthly payment, $1,950. Maximum mortgage, $425,000. 7.4 times household income. Interesting. So this maximum purchase price must be based on what banks were lending at the time because Halifax, this is interesting, Halifax um, boomer income, 62,000. Maximum purchase price, 288,000. Um, Halifax millennial income less $58,000, but maximum purchase price much more $430,000. Yeah. So it paints a very interesting picture about and this, this begs many, 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 many questions. What's affecting millennial lifestyle? 
I mean, that's a huge question, but how, okay, how much is affordability affecting millennial lifestyle? Would millennials be more interested in buying household, uh, buying homes if they could afford it? If on average they could afford it? Maybe, maybe not. Because on average they can't right now. Not in urban areas, not in urban areas. Not in Toronto anyway, not in Vancouver. Uh, most of Southern Ontario really. A little bit better in Hamilton. And as you, the further you get away from Toronto. I was doing some, I was walking my brother through some numbers uh, up north, where they live up north. And uh, it's just beautiful, the affordability up there. I don't know what the average income is in northern communities. I know that my brother could afford uh, a 10% down payment, and he's just working a laborer job construction laborer job. He could afford a 10% uh, down payment on a house within two years easily. If he didn't have a social life, he could probably do it within 18 months, 15 to 18 months. Now he can get in a lot sooner than that because he only needs 5%, but you know, if you want to keep that premium, that CMHC premium down. But it doesn't even matter. Like the CMHC premium on the house prices up there is pittance. So it really comes down to where do you want to live? Do you absolutely have to be in Toronto? Why? If you grew up in Toronto, that's one thing. You know, it's home. But if you didn't, like, why do you have to be in Toronto? You can live anywhere in the world and still and, and work, make make great money by working online. Like that's being done by so many people. So and work a legit job, like whether it's a developer or I don't know anything. But there is a difference between the boomers' reality and the millennials' reality. Millennials have to adapt. And the boomers have to understand that their thought process and thought process mentality and their path to success is not the same as ours. Doesn't mean we get to sit around and complain about it. Not a lot do, in my experience, but there are those. There are some. Love your take on this. If you want to, uh, I'd love to hear, you know, you boomers, what was, what was it like getting into the market? You know, what was the thought process? Because there's the numbers, but what was what was it like actually trying to save up and buy a house? Millennials, uh, Gen Xers, even what um, if you've bought? What was that emotional process like for you? What was what hurdles did you have to get over? Email me, R E Coffee at joelarnt.ca. So that's R-E-Coffee at J-O-E-L-A-R-N-D-T dot C-A. 
if you know someone who talks about housing affordability a lot and or complains if you know a boomer that complains about millennials or if you know a millennial that complains about boomers send them this this episode let me know how that conversation goes afterwards if you want to continue to get fresh real estate news to your uh, device to your podcast app every morning, Monday to Saturday, subscribe to Real Estate and Coffee in whichever podcast app you're using right now. The One of the things, one of the most interesting things that I saw is, you know, in 1977 levels, the, the maximum mortgage was 4.3 times household income. The 2017 mortgage was 6.6 times, in Halifax was over seven times household income. And I know that that's lending restrictions, like that's based on the lender, which is interesting. But the fact of the matter is affordability being what it is. Millennials cannot rely on one income on one source of income. I mean, we know that, and most millennials either have two jobs or they are partnered with someone who has a full-time job. I would say this also contributes to why many millennials aren't having kids very as early as boomers or even the Gen, Gen Xers. But we need... And I think this I think this goes for because the affordability thing affects everybody, not just millennials. This now affects boomers. This affects Gen Xers who might want to buy, might want to move. They may they may have a history of wealth building behind them to get them to a better place of affordability, but not everybody's in the same situation. So if you're living in an, in, a, in an urban area, particularly in Southern Ontario or Toronto uh, uh, or, or Vancouver, even Ottawa, Montreal, the reality is you need multiple streams of income. And I think anybody in, in you know Alberta Saskatchewan and Manitoba would Manitoba would say the same thing too, because employment is so precarious out there right now. Need to find a way to begin to multiply your streams of income. It's what I'm doing, trying to do. Also, why I'm going to the Wealth Hacker Conference. I'm going to be finding out many different ways to multiply our streams of income. I'm going to talk to people who are doing that right now have done that and are are you know actively not just boosting their income but setting up more tributaries to their overall financial river i know that's something that grant cardone's pre- uh, preaches all the time he's going to be there at the wealth hacker conference It's going to be the business coaches, people who have built businesses from the ground up, people who had a career, invest in real estate, and invest in stocks. They have, and 
they have many, many, many streams of income. This is what I want to learn. What I want to get good at. If you want to get good at it too, go to wealthhacker.ca. Grab a ticket. If you want 10% off your ticket, there's an enter promo code link. You can use the disc, the promo code real wealth, all one word. So wealthhacker.ca, pick your ticket, enter promo code real wealth, all one word. You get 10% off your ticket and then email me and let me know that you're coming. Cause I'd love to meet up. That is this Saturday coming up November 9th. I'm super pumped. It's uh, going to be a full day. It's going to be a late night, and um, I'm excited. It's a good way to start the Monday. <laughs> Looking forward to Saturday. <laughs> Nevertheless, have a good Monday.